Hello and welcome to the Tech Disputes Network's Need to Know Basis podcast series, which offers a convenient way of getting on top of the most important new developments and cases involving issues with a technology angle via short podcasts of approximately 15 to 20 minutes in length, presented by the leading experts in the field. These podcasts offer succinct summaries of the key points to note on the topics we all need to know about in a way that takes up as little of your time as possible. This podcast series is brought to you by the Tech Disputes Network, which is a London-based forum for those engaged with contentious technology issues. My name is Mike Cohen-Bruce. I'm one of the founders of the TDN, which I encourage you to join by registering at disputes.tech to receive information about our upcoming events and initiatives, which are all free of charge. This podcast is about explaining AI. A notable computer scientist recently pithily observed, people worry that computers will get too smart and take over the world, but the real problem is that they're too stupid and they've already taken over the world. To acknowledge the truth in this statement is not to deprecate the frankly astonishing capabilities of AI, which in just a decade or so has established itself as a crucial component of too many areas of life to list. However, it does aptly reflect the fact that AI systems, however otherworldly their brilliance may appear, are in fact all built by human developers with human fallibilities which are liable to be reflected in the systems they design and build. However, many forms of AI, in particular the influential fields of machine learning and its subfield of deep learning, meaning very broadly algorithms that improve automatically through experience using deep neural networks, are often notoriously resistant to permitting clear explanations of how the system came to a particular end result. To put this problem at its potentially starkest, an ever-increasing amount of the decisions in our day-to-day lives are liable to be taken by computer systems whose decision-making processes may be very hard, or in some cases even impossible, to interrogate in conventional ways. A salutary reminder of why this may be important is provided by the recent case of Bates and Post Office, which concerned the Post Office's reliance on a computer system manufactured by one of the world's biggest IT services providers for accounting, and its frequent recourse to legal action against its own employees when this system could not reconcile the human-prepared local branch accounts with the system equivalent resulting in the dismissal, bankruptcy, and imprisonment of many former post office employees. Yet the High Court found clear evidence that this IT system contained bugs which may have caused the relevant accounting discrepancies, and many innocent people may therefore have been ruined by the post office's refusal to accept that computers can make mistakes. The Kafkaesque question of whether the High Court would have been able to exonerate these individuals if the relevant system had derived its output from the type of increasingly important deep neural networks many consider to be inexplicable black boxes may be one that it is now both technically reasonable uh, and morally necessary to ask. To guide us through these complex and urgently relevant issues, we are fortunate to welcome Terry Bergen QC and Quentin Tannock both of Four Pump Court. Terry is one of the country's preeminent tech disputes practitioners and has appeared in many of the most important cases relating to the supply of computer systems 
over the past 20 years. Amongst other accolades, he was twice awarded Chambers and Partners IT Junior of the Year before taking Silk, and together with Quentin, he has recently published on the subject of explaining AI. Quentin's past lives have included turns as a solicitor, an executive at a venture capital firm, and an academic at Cambridge University. He has a broad commercial practice, and in particular expertise in tech and contentious IP, in which areas he must be among the most technologically experienced juniors at the bar. We are very pleased and privileged to welcome Terry and Quentin to present this podcast for the TDN. Good afternoon, I'm Terry Bergen. And I'm Quentin Tannock. We're here to discuss why explaining artificial intelligence used to process personal data is important, and to introduce guidance from a collaboration between the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, and the Alan Turing Institute, titled Explaining Decisions Made with AI. Why don't I start with an outline of what AI is and why the ICO and the Turing Institute have published their guidance. Well, the guidance explains that things that humans have traditionally done by thinking and reasoning are increasingly being done by or with the help of AI. And it defines AI as an umbrella term for a range of technologies and approaches that often attempt to mimic human thought to solve complex tasks. In short, the guidance uses AI as an umbrella term for a range of algorithm-based technologies that solve complex tasks by carrying out functions that previously required human thinking. These processes might be fully automated or they may provide an output that is assessed by a human. Now in recent years, machine learning models have emerged as a dominant AI technology. And the aspects of AI comprising machine learning involve data processing to identify statistical patterns and correlations, frequently from very large data sets. The guidance focuses on what it calls supervised learning, which is the most widely used approach to machine learning. Supervised learning models are trained on a data set which contains labeled data. And learning occurs in these models when numerous examples are used to train an algorithm to map input variables onto desired outputs. As outlined in the guidance, the outputs of an AI model are generally one of three types, a prediction, a recommendation, or a classification. And the guidance is largely concerned with AI decisions, which encompass all three types of output and whether they are fully automated or whether they involve human interaction. This is increasingly important, including because in the UK, as and elsewhere in the world, AI is increasingly used across a very wide range of industry sectors. Some examples that many consumers will have experienced are online music and video recommendation engines. Another example is predictive text uh, messages on mobile phones. And AI is increasingly used in financial services and legal sectors, for example. Last year, the Bank of England and the FCA published a survey on machine learning and financial services. The survey found that 57% of respondent firms were using AI for risk management and compliance, 39% for customer engagement, and around 25% for sales. Now, AI is not only used in industry, it's also used in the public sector. For example, the Durham Police Service announced in 2017 that it would start using a system called HART, which stands for the Harm Assessment Risk Tool, to predict whether suspects 
were at a low, moderate, or high risk of reoffending in a two-year period. The system took or takes historical data of people arrested and processed in Durham and then looks at combinations of what are called predictor values to categorize the offenders and assess recidivism risk. Now, not all use cases of AI involve the processing of personal data. For example, AI is used to monitor infrastructure. But many use cases do post-process personal data, both during their development and design phase and during their deployment. And their use can have a significant impact on the individuals involved. In general terms, there are four broad types of AI-related threats to privacy. Firstly, inferred data and prediction. What this refers to is that AI models can take non-sensitive personal data and, at the statistical level, infer sensitive personal information and make personal predictions about individuals. A simple example would be inferring tiredness from your typing pattern on your computer keyboard. Secondly, discrimination and bias. AI systems being at least initially based on historical data can often bake in or perpetuate historical bias um, that is revealed within the historical data. Thirdly, what's called de-anonymization and re-identification. And what this refers to is the ability of AI to identify and track individuals, both across locations and devices. A simple example is the use of facial recognition technology to locate an individual in a public space and then match that individual to a, a mobile device and match the data related to that device to other devices. Now, whilst personal data can be anonymized or pseudonymized, AI can be used to de-anonymize pseudonymized data and re-identify individuals. And last but not least, something that I call opacity or information asymmetry. What this refers to is the very AI models with machine learning that are the most accurate and are the best at prediction happen to be those that are the most difficult to understand and explain to humans. And this can make it difficult for affected individuals to challenge the models and the outcome of the models. Um, moreover, simply due to the, the enormous range of types and the enormous volume of personal data generated about people, individuals may be unable to fully understand the range of data that's collected from their devices and networks and then being analyzed. This leads to what the guidance describes as black box AI systems. It explains such systems as an AI system whose inner workings and rationale are opaque or inaccessible to human understanding. As I mentioned before, frequently such AI models are the most effective, but naturally they're the most difficult to explain. An example AI um, system that is a black box system is one based on an artificial neural net. This builds functions to predict or classify data through trained, interconnected, and so-called layered operations. Further examples include ensemble methods, such as the random forest method of supporting overall predictions using aggregated results from several models. One suggestion in the guidance is use of further supplementary models to explain how AI models are deployed with documentation being created in advance to explain the supplementary models and to demonstrate how use of the supplementary tool will help provide meaningful information about the rationale of any given outcome. 
Now, supplementary models are models that provide supplementary explanations or enable supplementary explanation strategies for the black box models. In short, they're aids to the interpretability of black box models. The guidance gives a useful, although brief, summary of the supplementary models in its Annex 3. One example of a supplementary model is the so-called surrogate model, which builds a simplified proxy of a more complex black box model. The downside of this is being a simplified proxy, the surrogate model will often fail to make non-linear and multi-layer interactions with a black box model explicit. Another relevant finding of Project Explain's research is that in highly regulated sectors, such as banking and insurance, many organizations are starting to use AI in combination with so-called challenger models. Now, in simple terms, challenger models compare strategies to challenge a status quo or champion strategy. For example, in the context of financial services, a relatively well understood and explicable champion strategy might be used to approve or decline credit to individuals. Several less well understood and less explicable challenger models might be deployed on the same data to see if they make the same decisions, with the profitability of the decisions between all of the models being compared over time. Now, one objective for adopting a challenger approach in industry might be to manage the risks around deploying into production new AI solutions that would, in the past, have only been tested on simulated data. Again, in simple terms, new solutions or challenges are used to shadow the current or champion solution with one or even a combination of the challenges becoming the next champion. The guidance states that these, what it calls more opaque challenger models, are being increasingly used for feature engineering, comparison, insight, and benchmarking, and, and notes, as I said above, that they're often trained on the same data as more transparent models that are already in production. With all of this as background context, the increasing use of AI to process personal data, opaque black box models, and increasingly used challenger AI models in parallel with them, it comes as no surprise that the ICO has classified AI as one of its top three priorities. In its 2018 to 2021 technology strategy, the ICO explains that this is because of the ability of AI to intrude into private life and affect human behavior by manipulating personal data. Terry. So the ICO is concerned because uh, the use of AI systems will so often involve the processing or maybe the creation of personal data. The guidance doesn't offer a one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, it's very much a set of principles to be applied as, as appropriate. Start with, let's have a look at the, very quickly, at the legal framework uh, behind the ICO's guidance. So what is currently the GDPR has a number of articles which are significant uh, in the AI systems field. Uh, articles 13 and 14 and the right to be informed. That gives individuals the right to be informed of one, uh, the existence of solely automated decision-making producing legal or similarly significant effects. Two, meaningful information about the logic involved. And three, the significance and envisaged consequences for the individual. Article 15 is the right of access. That gives individuals the right of access to one, information on the existence of solely automated decision-making producing legal or similarly significant legal effects. 
two, meaningful information about the logic involved, and three, the significance and envisaged consequences for the individual. Article 21, which is the right to object, gives individuals the right to object to processing of their personal data, specifically including profiling in certain circumstances. Uh, there is an absolute right to object to profiling for direct marketing purposes. Article 22, uh, rights in relation to automated decision making. That gives individuals the rights not to be subject to a solely automated decision producing legal or similar significant effects. There are some exceptions to this, and in those cases, it, it obliges organizations to, one, adopt suitable measures to safeguard individuals, including the right to obtain human intervention, two, to express their view, and three, to contest the decision. Uh, it's relevant to note that Recital 71, which is non-binding, but provides interpretive guidance on the rights related to automated decision-making, uh, it mainly relates to Article 22 rights, but it also makes clear uh, that individuals have the right to obtain an explanation of a solely automated decision after it has been made. Uh, Article 35 requires organizations to carry out data protection impact assessments if their processing of personal data, particularly when using new technologies, is likely to result in a high risk to individuals. A DPIA is always required for any systematic and extensive profiling or other automated evaluation of personal data, which are used for decisions that produce legal or similar significant effects on people. Now, of course, all of the GDPR articles will engage uh, the core principles of fairness, transparency, and accountability, at least those are the most important ones. The guidance itself uh, against that background is divided into three parts. Um, the first part is concerned with explanation types, and the guidance identifies six main types of explanations. There may be others. Uh, these may not be exhaustive, and they won't apply uh, to every situation. Um, but the six that are suggested in the guidance are, one, a rationale explanation. That involves explaining the reasons that led to a decision, which should be delivered in an accessible and non-technical way. A rationale explanation helps people understand the reasons that led to a decision outcome in an accessible way. The second type of explanation is a responsibility explanation. That involves explaining who is involved in the development, management and implementation of an AI system and who to contact for a human review of a decision. A responsibility explanation will clarify the roles and functions across the organization that are involved in the various stages of developing and implementing the AI system, including any human involvement in the decision making. The third type is the data explanation. Uh, that involves explaining what data has been used in particular decision and how. A uh, data explanation helps people understand what data about them and what other sources of data were used in a particular AI decision. The fourth is a fairness explanation. That involves explaining the steps taken across the design and implementation of an AI system to ensure that the decisions it supports are generally unbiased and fair and whether or not an individual has been treated equitably. A fairness explanation helps people understand the steps the organization took and continues to take to ensure its AI decisions are generally unbiased and equitable. It also gives people an understanding of whether or not they have been treated equitably themselves. Number five, fifth type of explanation is a safety and performance explanation. This involves explaining the steps taken across the design and implementation of AI system to maximize the accuracy, reliability, security, and robustness of its decisions and behaviors. 
A safety and performance explanation helps people understand the measures the organization has put in place and the steps the organization has taken and continues to take to maximize the accuracy, reliability, security, and robustness of the decision the AI model helps it to make. The final, the sixth explanation type is the impact explanation. That involves explaining the steps taken across the design and implementation of an AI system to consider and monitor the impacts that the use of an AI system and its decisions has or may have on an individual and on wider society. An impact explanation helps people understand how the organization has considered the effects that its AI decisions uh, support systems may have on the individual. It's also about helping individuals to understand the broader societal effects that the use of the system may have. Across all of those explanation types, the guidance draws a distinction uh, between, on the one hand, process-based explanations of AI systems. That involves demonstrating compliance with good governance processes and best practices throughout the design and use of the system. On the other hand, outcome-based explanations of AI systems, which involve clarifying the results of a specific decision. They involve explaining the reasoning behind a particular algorithmically generated outcome in plain, easy, understandable everyday language. The second part of the guidance uh, sets out the principles to be applied in explaining the AI in practice. Now, the approach taken is very much task-based. It's intended to assist organizations in the design and deployment of appropriately explainable AI systems and in providing clarification of the results those systems produce to a range of affected individuals. However, the tasks themselves are dependent on the explanation types which I've just talked about. Now, there are uh, six tasks. The first task is to select priority explanations by considering the domain, use case, and impact on the individual to separate out the different aspects of an AI-assisted decision so that people, may, uh, that people may want to have explained. The second task is to collect and pre-process data in an explanation-aware manner with a view to ensuring a high quality of explanation. The third task is to build the system to ensure the organization is able to extract relevant information for a range of explanation types. The model chosen should be at the right level of interpretability for the use case and for the impact it will have on the decision recipient. The fourth task is to translate the rationale of the system's results into usable and easily understandable reasons to determine how to convey the model's statistical results to users and decision recipients as understandable reasons. The fifth task is to prepare implementers to deploy the AI system. Human decision makers who are meaningfully involved in an AI-assisted outcome must be appropriately trained and prepared to use the model's results responsibly and fairly. Training should include conveying basic knowledge about the nature of machine learning and about the limitations of AI and automated decision support technologies. The sixth task is to consider how to build and present the explanation itself, whether through a website or an app or in writing, or in person. So again, broad general guidance uh, as to which the guidance then goes into greater detail, uh, which we don't have time to cover today. The third part of the guidance is the executive summary. Uh, it's very much aimed at senior executives. Uh, it provides an outline of the organizational roles behind providing explanations to decision recipients, reviewing the policies and procedures, together with the documentation that can help ensure an organization is able to provide appropriate explanations. In simple terms, the guidance anticipates that senior management have overall responsibility for ensuring appropriate explanations are given, while compliance teams seek to ensure that AI development and deployment meets internal policies.
competencies and external regulatory requirements based on appropriate information and assurances from AI product managers. This part of the guidance notes uh, the important function of the AI development team and that this team might be external where the AI solution is purchased from a third party, stressing that human implementers should be properly trained and supported, including by any third party external supplier. Importantly, where AI solutions or significant parts of such solutions are bought or licensed in, the guidance is clear that the deploying organization, the purchaser or licensee, as the, uh, as the data controller, has the primary responsibility for ensuring that the AI system you use is capable of producing an appropriate explanation for the decision recipient. Terry, this practical guidance in relation to explaining AI sounds very useful, but what are the remaining challenges? There are a number, two, two string immediate, uh, spring immediately to mind. The first, obviously, is that uh, throughout all of this process, uh, throughout all of this guidance, there's a high degree of discretion uh, on the entity using the AI system. Um, so there's plenty of scope for it to go wrong. Uh, and it may well be that that's a place where um, specific legal guidance uh, should be sought by those who are going to be on the receiving end of challenges to the AI-supported decisions. Um, the other one is more commercial. Um, there's a tension between commercial confidentiality and the regulatory requirements. Um, achieving appropriate explanations while avoiding the public disclosure of information that might, for example, breach confidentiality undertakings to others, for example, your, your suppliers or your business partners, uh, or, or, or you might be putting into the public domain information that while not itself subject to uh, confidentiality, confidentiality undertakings is nevertheless commercially sensitive or price sensitive. I mean, that's an area where drawing the boundaries uh, between the, uh, the interests of the entity using the AI system and commercial uh, drivers and the regulatory regime. That's an area where, again, specific uh, specialist legal advice might well prove to be invaluable. Yes, and as might be expected in such a dynamic and commercially relevant area, the corpus of UK and European court decisions and guidance is expanding relatively rapidly. So just keeping up to date can be a challenge in itself for those who work and provide legal and strategic advice in the space. Um, I mean, just of relevance to explaining AI decisions alone, in addition to Project Explain, which we've been discussing, um, we have the past and future work of the European Commission's 52-member high-level expert group on AI, the European Data Protection Board, um, and the UK's Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation. Uh, which is part of the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. Um, and there are also other organisations and, and all of their guidance um, might be engaged. So keeping up to date in the space can be a challenge. And it's an area where there's no shortage of acronyms. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much, um, everyone who's Good been talking. It was great to talk. Bye now. Bye.